the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. I can just picture the band playing in the background, the crowd going wild. Okay, maybe not. Okay, we're, we're in a radio station, but I have to say I, I am just as pumped as James Brown singing Ain't It Funky Now because I get to meet and talk with like the coolest people around town, even around the nation. I'm just I'm, – okay, I'm, I'm a little bragging there <laughs> a little bit. So, But I, this is Counterculture. I'm Jonathan Sanborn, and I get to talk, like call into my studio and whoever I want, and I guess like who are the people who are making a difference? Who are the people who are going counterculture and maybe doing things a different way? And uh, who are the peacemakers, the compassion builders, and the culture builders in our in our society? So in studio today, we have Anthony Cox. The, hello, Anthony. So good to be here. And you'd never go by Tony. Never. Never. That's, That's my right. dad's name. That's your dad's yeah, name. I'm so looking you for my dad Anthony. when you say Tony. That's yeah. right. So I'm Jonathan, and I, I will allow a John. I won't correct anybody, but I totally get... <laughs> That I just prefer Jonathan. That's just I totally get that. Sherry Ald, thank you, Sherry. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. So glad. So so Anthony and Sherry are here. Anthony Cox and his wife and Carla have been married for twenty years, and they, with their three boys, live in downtown Phoenix. Anthony serves as pastor at Mercy Hill Church and president of Mercy Ministries. And Sherry. And her husband Ricky, fairly recent newlywed. I mean, just three years. Three years. It still has this newlywed feel to yes. it. Okay, three years. She's still got the glow. <laughs> it's or is it? She has a very bright pink shirt on too. So, uh, I think the satellites can see that from space. It's so bright. It's so. Uh, but no, uh, she's the executive director of Mercy Ministries and attends uh, Mercy Hill Church. And so I'm honored uh, as part of my series, the Church in Little Places. I get to find. The pastors and the people on the front lines of local churches who are, you know, really living it out in the areas that I, I believe are the, that need Christ the most, where we need to go the most. And so, um, so Anthony, I'm just honored to have you. But, but before we get, I'm honored to have both of you. Before we get into it, we like to play a game called fake news. And so you you say two things about you, and I try to guess what is true because I am the discerner of all that is true. I have perfect media sources. I have great insight into human char- character and condition, and I can see through all the clouds and all the mystique. And if you believe that, you don't. You don't understand fake news. No, I'm. I'm basically a, a coin toss. So just so just be prepared. So, so say two things. Let's start. Uh, are you ready for this, Sherry? No. I don't think you. You, but could, just think about it. Well, I'll get to Anthony. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I think I just scared Sherry. So it's okay. This okay. Is good. Okay. So one thing that's true, one thing is not, and I try to guess which one's true in, in any order. Okay. Well, I speak Spanish fluently. Okay. And I was also in a band in the early years of life. A band. You were in a band. Yeah. Okay. So 
Now, I would hope that you speak Spanish fluently. Cause, so I don't want – I'm imposing myself onto this conversation because I would ex- think that you would, you know, working in inner city Phoenix with Surely. 40, 50 percent Hispanic yes. population. Yeah. That's about right, yeah. that you would speak Spanish. And but you but you also kind of cool looking. You could be you could have been in a band, but I'm going to say you're fluent in Spanish and that you were not in a band and you have absolutely no musical talent. <laughs> and Jonathan, that would be a lie. Oh, that that is a lie. Okay, I do not speak fluent <laughs> Spanish. Unfortunately, <laughs> to my shame, uh, in embarrassment. But but okay, I was okay. in a band. In okay. College. Uh, an alternative band. Very cool. I was cool. a drummer. Yeah. Gotcha. Inspired, inspired by Nirvana type band? Yeah, or Bleach, you Bleach. know, kind of the yeah, Tooth the, and Nail yeah, days. The, uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. A friend of mine was A&R guy for Tooth and Nail, so I know all about that. But, you know, oh, good <laughs> stuff. Funny that you mentioned that. Okay, well, that's cool. That's great. I could kind of see it. I could kind of see it. He has kind of this band vibe. All right, Sherry. I failed miserably. I think you can increase the failure rate for me because I'm feeling you got a poker face. Poker face. Okay, so two. Th- so maybe something that's true that's not true. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, I was raised in uh, farming families. Both my mom and dad's family were uh, strong farming families, and um, also I am a avid basketball fan. Okay. So I'm going to say I think you've kind of got the farming girl thing down. I think that could be you, and I'm, and I think you were so passionate about basketball that it was almost an exaggeration. So I'm going to say that you did, weren't a farm girl. Ah, uh, that's true. It's true. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Yeah. So fifty-fifty. But like I said, I'm a coin toss. I have no special discernment. We know, do we? Do any of us really? So, anyways, oh, but good. good stuff. So, uh, Anthony, tell me about your story. How did you land? I mean, you're you're not from here. You were a rock star traveling around at <laughs> Cornerstone. Not so much, but okay. I was not from here. Okay. <laughs> um, no, our family moved in 2014 from North Carolina, uh-huh. uh, the Raleigh-Durham area. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to a church um, that was passionate about church planting and church revitalization. And so uh, with, with my heart for uh, that... Uh, we were just simply praying for the, the right opportunity and for the for the next move where the Lord yes. would lead us. And uh, Phoenix opened up. We we discovered a church in downtown Phoenix, and um, that was without leadership and just had started to have conversations. Um, but I think to understand that story and kind of our yeah. unique fit, um, I think it's important to understand too that my story backs up to uh, my teenage years when I went to. Uh, Nicaragua on a mission trip, uh, my okay. senior year. So it was either and Cancun. No Spanish. No Spanish. Okay. Still no Spanish. Okay. <laughs> and uh, But it was there that God really awakened my heart for himself and mm. for his glory to be spread among the nations, uh, his heart for the nations particularly, but also my love for the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I would be amiss to leave out uh, this incredible detail. That's where I also met my bride. Oh, in Nicaragua. Uh, 20 years, yes. Oh, wow. So, so we met each other. Her, our, her family took care of our mission team. And so uh, it was all kinds of God's providence yes. Uh, yes. during that time. Uh, but, but really, that plays into this journey of coming to downtown Phoenix, planting our lives in the urban core mm-hmm. uh, among, among uh, the, the marginalized uh, immigrants, and um, and so our unique story kind of fits in within the, the larger Phoenix story yes. 
uh, where uh, you know my wife uh, was a, was an immigrant. She has a, a, an incredible story, uh, just her her own immigration story, um, but. She obviously speaks fluent Spanish. Real, okay. And our boys, <laughs> yes. uh, surprisingly, are fluent in Spanish. Yes. I am the only gringo in the house who Ugh. doesn't have it. Gringos. So, yes, that's right. Wow. No, that's a great story. Well, one, there's something that I thought was real interesting, too, that this isn't a church plant. This is actually a revitalization. Is that right? Is it? Yes. They, cons- they consider, or at least our denomination considers it as a replant. Okay. Um, uh, Southern Baptist Church uh, church plant uh, with the North American Mission Board. Uh, but it was, a, it was a church that had existed for over 75 years. Okay. So incredible history and, and heritage. Um, so it, it had a church planting feel, but if you were to pop open the hood, it looks like a revitalization. Okay. Certainly. Okay. That makes sense. Because so there's an existing building. Yes. And it's right here, downtown Phoenix. Like probably just, you know, just, yeah, just a couple miles from down. It isn't right in downtown, right? It is. Okay. Yes, and I've, ta- I've yep. toured your many, a, a number of times been on your, your grounds. Yep. Um, and so I think there's a great difference because it's, it's, it's actually harder to, to revitalize than it is to plant. Planting is really important, especially if population grows. We need more churches. We need more church planters. That's right. But revitalization is that there's these churches that have been around 50, 75 years, and maybe they are in decline. But new energy, new leadership, and new vision could really revitalize an existing church and as well as bring in new people. So there's actually both opportunities. And so I'm glad you chose to do that because that's a, that's a harder road. Yeah. But Jonathan, it could also go the other way too. It okay. could also blow it up. Okay, that's uh, true. Really yeah, make a mess yep. of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, what what was unique about our particular story is uh, in 2014 we had conversations with the existing trustees. Now, the, uh, again, they were without any leadership, and the last pastor who was there was there for 47 years. Oh my goodness! So incredible <laughs> history and heritage. Yes. choose to fill. Um, so when we came in, we we honestly our conversation was really to learn about mm. their history, their story, yes. their their heritage, and we yeah. wanted to celebrate that. Yeah, and just simply partner with them side by side in missional community engagement. Yeah, and so that was our strategy. Actually, as a church planter, you come in with all these. Great, Great strategies idea. and ideas yeah. and energy. Um, but honestly, if we would have held on too tightly, uh, I, I really think things could have went sour. Yeah, um, that's Because good. there were yeah. other larger churches that had a lot of resources mm-hmm. and some vision, but th- their strategy was really to come in and say, hey, give us the keys. Yes. Uh, we will take care of things ourselves. But what that did is communicated another message. We want the building, but we don't want you. Yeah. Ooh, and yeah. Um, and so that was the message that was that was uh, conveyed. And so we did not want that. As right. a matter of fact, we wanted to celebrate alongside uh, of yeah. uh, the church members who who had planted themselves years ago, right. and have really been used, uh, you know, powerfully by by you know, by the power of the gospel, mm-hmm. and really wanted to remain in downtown mm-hmm. when many others had fled, uh, especially with rising costs and displacement through. Uh, through a gentrified city, yes, um, they could have they could have uprooted and left, but they chose to remain because mm-hmm. they still wanted to um, um, preserve uh, a gospel light mm-hmm. and, and presence. You know, I, I I love highlighting what you just said because I think it's profound, and I think it's also extremely counterculture in the sense of like you you and many people, good intention, even Christian people with with maybe some with vision and mission, can railroad faithful, godly servants 
uh, in the name of growth, in the name even of revitalization, or you know. And so I think you ch- you chose the the lower road, the humble road, and and chose to give voice and listen and learn from who God has had kept remained faithful for so long. So I appreciate. Thank you for for doing that. <laughs> That's so encouraging to hear because oftentimes we th- we do hear about the big blow ups of churches and things, people getting pushed away. And so you're pl- if you're planted there. And this is the really the ministry towards the poor. How has what have you learned really by directly serving the poor? Not just on like an outreach on once a month or something like that. You're actually this is daily life. What have you learned? Um, I wasn't planning on on saying this, but my mind is going there right now. Uh, you know that that book Horton hears a who. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Uh, so there's a quote in there uh, that that I think is uh, really kind of hits it where 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 my heart is and our experience uh, once we planted ourselves in, in downtown Phoenix. Uh, a person's a person, no matter how small. <laughs> right. Uh, and so the, the ethic, right, that's presented there in Horton Hears a Who, it's really borrowed from this beautiful Christian idea that every single human life has dignity. Mm. And um, and so it's not so much of what we can give the poor, but really, what has the poor been able to give mm. to us? Okay. Uh, so, Jonathan, I, I I really believe that what we've learned, we've learned uh, so many things about ourselves as you're as you're engaged uh, in the community and you see poverty and brokenness. It's really like looking at a mirror mm. and seeing your own poverty and your mm. own brokenness. Mm-hmm. And so even the culture that exists within the urban core of, of sharing resources, of stepping into others' ex- experiences, um, empathy, uh, there's so many things, uh, fear of the stranger, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so many things that kind of uh, begin to emerge and lessons to be learned um, that really, I think everyone at Mercy Hill has been ch- shaped and changed mm. by uh, virtue of just being among the poor and becoming the mm. poor. I think Tim Keller uh, yes. speaks about those kind of illusions, uh, th- this idea that, that not only are we to, to serve among the poor, but we are to become poor. And I think yeah. that's the idea. Uh, when Jesus uh, said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying it's a blessed thing to be poor. He's saying that those in their poverty, right, have access to heavenly resources to do what otherwise they could not do on their own. And so Mm. when we recognize that uh, of ourselves, then we recognize, wait a second, uh, the gospel is not just for those people. The Mm. gospel is for us. Us. Um, And and all of us have direct access uh, to the Father through Christ. Mm. And so then we can now share in those resources with one another. Mm. Um, We now Mm. see every human person with dignity. Uh, not just as somebody who uh, needs needs something from right. us, right? So there's a lot of awesomeness in what you just said. There's two profound things. One is um, the the poor have just as much, even more, to offer us. We can learn more from them than, in a sense, we give to them. Mm-hmm. So I think so. And second, the method isn't let's go help the poor; it's let's walk with the poor and and journey together rather than simply viewing them as those people who need our help. That's right. Is that would that be a fair no, oh, absolutely. Okay. And don't we see that in the New Testament when the, through the life of uh, Christ, right? Uh, Jesus went to uh, those who were disfigured, 
right, and untouchable, and he touched them. He didn't uh, just heal their disease, but he he affirmed their dignity and worth and and empowered them to then get up and walk and to Mm. uh, engage uh, in, in a whole new way. He was, he was moved with compassion, right? He wasn't filled with fear and disgust or judgment. Um, uh, he, he wasn't uh, uh, influenced by the Pharisees right. or the political no. climate of the day. Right. Right. Um, he, he pressed into those spaces with love and compassion. So not only did he have the capacity to touch someone who's disfigured or untouchable, but he also had the compassion that drove him into those spaces mm. to honor and to affirm the dignity and worth of that individual. And so we can take our cues from Jesus. From Jesus, right. right. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I believe Jesus really was countercultural, even to our degree. You know, I love, so you're, you're, you're hitting it. You're, you're, man, you're hitting it. So maybe you just, I, I just give you the keys to the show. You're just like, this. Oh, you're nailing man. what I love to hear and highlight. So your church is um, a multi-ethnic church. Yes. And... So that alone can present a lot of significant – people like that idea. It's messy. Like everyone likes, oh, yeah, we're, we want to be multi We're diverse or we're, you know, we're a mosaic of all these different cultures. But reality, it's actually messy and hard. Yes. I, I, I want the listeners to understand here. Uh, it might sound like Sherry and I know what we're doing. We do not. <laughs> um, uh, this is a, a, a messy uh, church planting growth strategy. Yes. Right? Let's – Let's uh, let's let's become the poor. Uh, let's welcome all people of, right. of, of 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 different places, you know, into one space, and uh, and then let's throw Spanish and English together, and let's celebrate right. each other's culture. And uh, I mean, that sounds sexy and awesome and attractive, yeah. but it is, it is hard. It's yeah. difficult uh, because really what we have found is that it is, it is the majority culture mm-hmm. that has most to sacrifice. Yeah. And not only did we merge together at the church on Fillmore, we became Mercy Hill Church, uh, but there was also an existing uh, Hispanic uh, Latino church that had been meeting on the property and they were so disenfranchised over the years. They didn't even think that they were a church. Wow. Um, uh, they thought they were just a, simply a mission of the, uh, Anglo church. Mm-hmm. And so the beauty of just God's grace is not only do we see, uh, physical walls come down, but we, we got to see the, the, the walls that had been separating, um, different ethnicities by language and by, uh, origin. Uh, we've, been able to come together as a family and um and and have it what we're striving toward is having a, a spirit of inclusivity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's not just diversity for the sake of being diverse right, right? Okay. but but really being inclusive so that everyone who comes to mercy hill church to gather together under the word in prayer and in song can say hey this is a church for me this is where mm. i can belong i can have a place mm-hmm. here and, mm. and so it's it's That's hard good. Uh, it's not easy, but I, I got to say, it's beautiful. Um, I adore my church. And, uh, <laughs> I, can tell. I, I I wouldn't want to worship anywhere nope. else. So it's it's been a, a great blessing. Anthony is not dialing it in today. He is <laughs> showing up and bringing business. If you're just tuning in, this is Jonathan Sanborn, and you're listening to Counterculture. We have in studio Anthony Cox and Sherry Alds talking about the ministry of of Mercy Hill Church. And so let's talk about Mercy Ministry, Sherry. Sure. How did, um, what is the mission of, it's separate from the church, so what, what is it? Or uh, is it the same? Sure. Well, Mercy Ministries uh, has been happening through the church since it, years 
earlier, um, but it became officially a 501c3 by Mercy Hill Church just three years ago. Oh, okay. So its purpose is to intentionally serve the most vulnerable among us. Um, I love the history of Mercy Ministries. It was uh, Mercy Mercy's ministry happened from the very uh, onset of the church. It had mm. a heart to do that. And so when it uh, became on the location where we are and continued as Mercy Hill Church, it's been a, a key part. So, and what does that look like? Maybe just a couple of the pr- key programs. Sure. Or, yeah. What's currently happening right now, uh, we have a food distribution uh, once a week okay. that serves more than 200 families and individuals. Uh, we have a whole closet that's available for clothing items and shoes and things like that that are open mm. once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also offer a weekly recovery meeting. Uh, that's for anyone dealing, struggling with addictions. And then we do also offer counseling and discipleship. So does, okay, so some of these, these are really key and critical programs that you need right in in the location that you're at. What difference does being connected to a church make as opposed to being like just a separate nonprofit? It's been amazing to understand that God's word is what brings the change. And I I know when I started in this role, seeing those ministries as separate, but realizing how they all work together as Mm, one. mm -hmm. And it's really God's word and the gospel and sharing that with people and watching that at work in lives of people that really brings the change. The other is kind of the add on, if I can Mm -hmm. say, or the vehicle to which we can connect with people and start building relationships Mm. with them. That's really good. And so I I have, have a number of times gone to the food distribution Weekly at down, downtown on your on your campus, and it's it's a fantastic opportunity. Can people go to that and help out, or is that are you pretty packed out? No, absolutely. We need more and more volunteers. Yes. Okay, right, Sherry. Yes. Monday every Monday morning at nine a.m. We're packing the boxes, getting them ready for Tuesday morning's distribution from nine to twelve. Volunteers are always welcome. So those Tuesdays are quite the event. They are, um, and just because this is a big deal. I mean, with housing costs and so many other costs that have gone up in our city, mm-hmm. food and even food costs. I mean, help food is the idea that they could get food and be provided to them by the local church is just fantastic. Absolutely, and so in some areas of of you know in, in impoverished areas, sometimes it's quality of food that is really yeah. uh, makes it difficult for families. But in our area, it's quantity of food. We have large families living together in close proximity, uh, housing affordability, all of those right. uh, indicators uh, kind of uh, have played into that. Mm. Um, but really, again, just this idea of Mercy Ministries and Mercy Hill working together in tandem, um, mm. it was our desire to move from primarily relief work to more rehabilitative and development yeah. work, which is really discipleship and doing life together. You know, we believe that the gospel changes people and people change the world. Yes. But the gospel brings us into a, a biblical community where life happens, right? It's mm-hmm. messy. Um, it, it's difficult. But man, it's beautiful as we do life together under the word. And so then as a biblical community, we then go into our community and we can be light. We can we can partner. Um, one of our, our values is to uh, collaborate with public projects private and social sectors, because mm-hmm. we believe that all of those resources, again, our compassion moves us into those spaces. The capacity is what we need to be able to reach those uh, in, in those spaces as well. Uh, we kind of have a saying around Mercy Ministries, it's not about a hand up or a hand out, because we, we just don't like that kind of delineation or, right. or, or the way we look at, about people. It's, it's a hand across. We want to partner with our community. We need volunteers or people who are serving as volunteers who are on the other side of the line. Uh, 
and mm-hmm. still are. Uh, but there's a, a sense in which we uh, can all share together in resource with our resources uh, to where it's not a hand up or a handout. It's a hand across. Tell me what that look. That's I love that concept. Uh, so tell me what. Just flush that out. Just a couple more. Uh, that's what that means to be a hand across. Yeah, so that we can share together. Everyone has gifts to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of one way to look at it is, uh, you know, if someone has a washer, another person has a dryer, well, in the, in the in among the poor, what you do is say, hey, you can use my washer and I'll use your dryer, right? It's, right. it's a way of just sharing resources. And uh, isn't that what the kingdom uh, is, is about, that we now have access to do, uh, to grace, to do what we can't do otherwise on our own? And so just practically speaking, um, it's our food distribution and through our affordable housing and HUD housing, we make mm. these connections uh, with individuals to where we can uncover really what what the needs are, mm. right? Um, and because there's more than just simply hunger or not having enough food or having affordable housing, right? There's a brokenness underlying all of that, which we we're, we all um, uh, are a part of in mm. this tragic, yeah, sin stained world. So, right. um, so then we can we can. Um, it's not just a matter of what we can give and offer, but what what others can offer and give to us. And so when we can start mm-hmm. to realize that and we start to do more of asset-based uh, community development, I know we only have so much time, but uh, again, we just want to recognize what other giftings people have that we can then share with one another. I could give you an example. Yeah, real quick. So one of our ladies who uh, at one time came to the church, she was uh, also came for food and need. Uh, she ended up becoming a volunteer, and we've gotten to walk alongside of her. She ended up getting her license so she could drive. She started a job. Uh, she's now has a job, and she's come back to the church actively participating. She's loved giving financially to the church. It's not about that, but she's just really enjoying wow. giving back because of how she also received. That Those are the stories that are so transformative. That's really why we're, we do what we do or why you're doing what you're doing. It's super exciting to hear. So this has been great. I mean, I think very encouraging for our listeners knowing what's happening that we might not even get to, a chance to hear about in other places. So how can our – just in the last minute, uh, how can our uh, listeners connect with what you're doing? Uh, for Mercy Hill Church, you can go online uh, to mercyhillphoenix.com and then Mercy Ministries. And mercyministriesphx.com. MercyMinistriesPHX.com. This has been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate your faithful, both of you, Sherry and, and Anthony. Johnny. Appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your busy lives, and keep keep being faithful in your ministry. Appreciate you both. Enjoy. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at CarePortal.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.